Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to Busted Open's The Masters Class. You can hear our Busted Open Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern time for three hours on Sirius XM Fight Nation. And on The Masters Class today, we have, of course, our Masters. Bully Ray, Tommy Dreamer, Mark Henry, and guys, love is in the air. Valentine's Day. So what we're going to do is love at first fight. What moment, what match, what got you to fall in love with the great sport of pro wrestling? So, Mr. Mark Henry, Hall of Famer, what moment or match had you fall in love with pro wrestling? So that's what that smell is in the air? Yep. Oh, okay. I thought it was something else. But anyway... (laughs) uh... (laughs) <laughs> hey, I, it's very easy for me, Dave. It's very easy. Uh, my grandmother got me into watching wrestling, and I remember getting on that Greyhound bus, <laughs> going to the Beaumont Civic Center with her, holding her hand, and she would always say, "Don't let my hand go, and if I if you let go of my hand, we're going home." Or Hold on to my purse strap. <laughs> you know, like I had, I was like a puppy on a leash. I could not let go, Granny. So my grandmother was the one. But once I got into wrestling, uh, I had a host of great coaches. Um, first off, I had Dr. Tom, which, you know, Tom was always like, hey, don't. Don't do something for nothing. Always make it mean something. That was all like the first thing he taught you. Uh, Leo Burke uh, in Calgary. Um, you need to know more about wrestling because you sound like a mark. You sound like a fan. I need you to sound like a, a veteran analyst of wrestling. I need you to know more about what wrestling really is. And then I got the Louisville and I got Danny Davis who understood the history. I got uh, Rip Rogers, who is arguably the best wrestling trainer that I've ever had. And Jim Cornette, who is the greatest historian of the men that, you know, mentored me and uh, helped me understand what uh, this business is about. And, you know, I always say giving people their flowers and, that's that's kind of the love train of 
uh, wrestling knowledge that I got to sit under. It graduated to Pat Patterson uh, being a storyteller and telling me who I am. I knew who I was, but in wrestling, I didn't know who I was. And he was like, this is who you are. This is what you do. And that's where, that's what I do came from is uh, a derivative of Pat Patterson saying, you don't know who you are, Mark, that Marcus. He always called me Marcus. <laughs> you don't know who you are out there. He's like, you got to know who you are. And in my discovery of who I was, he was like, yes, that's, that's you. That's what you do. And that's where that's what I do came from. Um, the love story continues with people that were monster fans who I was a monster fan of. And that was you and Doug. You know, I was a, a fan of y'all. I listened to y'all when I used to drive it late at night, going to the next town. And that's how this whole uh, busted open thing happened. And I think that some people know that story and some people don't. I was a fan. I used to call in uh, and I was the, I was one of the first, if not the first, caller on Sirius XM. When y'all joined, I was just to congratulate you on making it. And that's kind of where we are now. Uh, I always knew Bully. I always knew Tommy. Um, you know, like, uh, I, I can't say we have a, a love affair wrestling, but, you know, I, I love them as my wrestling brothers. And, like, I've learned from them. Um, you know, I've had multiple matches with them. And that is something that I would consider my love story to pro wrestling um, from the beginning to the end of the people I feel like had the most influence. I learned stuff about this show that um, I would not have learned if it hadn't been for you, Dave. And I, I thank you. I really do. I really appreciate you bringing me into this world based off a conversation that we had at WrestleMania in the lobby. Um, and being on the shows with Bully and Tommy, you know, sometimes without you and them going, Mark, just relax and answer the question. And you find you, you know, this world. All right, and, so this and, is interesting, Mark, because first of all, thank you for making a, me a part of your love story. I never thought I'd actually hear that sentence, but it's true. But you talked about it as a love story. So for you, Mark, as a fan, as a student of the game, as an actual wrestler, and now somebody who talks about wrestling, is it something that's developed over time? Or was there one clear moment for you early on maybe that's like, all right, I, I love pro wrestling. Or did it take this whole story and this whole time for that love affair to happen? No, I knew right away from the first time that I watched the Saturday morning cartoons to the first time that I saw uh, Jose Lothario and um, uh, Mr. Wrestling number two that, you know, I, I was a wrestling fan because I remember asking my grandmother, when does it come on again? And she was like, oh, baby, like you, you just come over here on Saturday morning. And I would go to my grandmother's and watch wrestling. <laughs> Nobody else in my family watches wrestling. Nobody. You know, I mean, they watch now because I'm on, I was on yeah. there for years. But before then, I guarantee you, if I did a poll of all the people in my family 
Michael Strahan is probably the only person that religiously watches wrestling. Nobody else. So, um, and Jacob, my son, Jacob, Jacob, those are the only two people that watch wrestling every week. Everybody else, they don't watch every week. Wow. So, yeah, that's, it's, it's, I knew right away. It wasn't, it didn't take a, it took a long, it took the entire process to be where I am today, but I knew right off the bat, I was a wrestling fan. I loved it. Bully, was there a moment for you where you fell in love with pro wrestling? Well, there was a, a very definitive moment, um, but the the title of today's master's class is Love at First Fight. And the first fights that I ever remember seeing and fights being pro wrestling matches were on Saturday mornings on Channel 9, WOR television in New York at 10 a.m. And the first fights that I saw were by guys named Fuji and Saito, guys named Jules and Jay Strongbow, guys named Tony Gurria and Rick Martel, guys named Afa and Sika, the Wild Samoans. These were the first fights that I ever saw. And I knew I was in love with not only pro wrestling, but tag team wrestling. There was never a doubt in my mind that I wanted to do this, but I wanted to be a part of a tag team because I always thought four guys could be were more exciting than two. So seeing it on TV for a while is what ignited my, you know, ignited the flame, how I fell in love with it. But then at the age of 12, I was sitting ringside in Madison Square Garden when Jimmy Snooker jumped off the top of a steel cage onto Don Morocco, that legendary moment in time, that legendary night. And now I had seen all these tag teams on TV. Now I'm sitting in the middle of Madison Square Garden and feeling the rush of the people at a young age. That's what solidified it for me. I always knew I wanted to be a pro wrestler. Just like Henry Hill knew he always wanted to be a gangster, I knew I wanted to be a pro wrestler. And I grew up in a family that was in, you know, uh, pretty big business in the restaurant industry, in the home heating oil industry. I had family businesses that I could have very, very easily stepped right into. I wanted no part of any of them. I didn't care about college, even though I went to college. I just wanted to be a pro wrestler. And, and those are the moments, those are the fights and the moments that made me fall in love with, you know, professional wrestling. And then, of course, you get involved in professional wrestling and you learn the business behind the business and slowly and surely you fall out of love <laughs> with the wrestling. Yeah, and business. I'm sure it's... But it's that's a, a different show. <laughs> I'm sure, and we might have that show. That might be like the breakup show. <laughs> that, the, that's a the, hell of a show. <laughs> we'll do that on one of the uh, anniversaries of one of my divorces. But uh, I, I think for now, and it's funny that you mentioned Jimmy Superfly Snooker because, because Bully and, you know, and, and Mark and Tommy... I mentioned on Busted Open many, many times how I first started watching pro wrestling, and I was by my buddy's house, and he was watching Georgia Championship Wrestling, and the first person I ever saw was Tommy Wildfire Rich, and I watched pro wrestling, Georgia Championship Wrestling on TBS every single Saturday. 
But there was one particular moment where I could say I fell in love with pro wrestling. And it's funny how, Bully, you mentioned Jimmy Superfly Snuka in a cage. That's when I fell in love with pro wrestling. But it wasn't Jimmy Superfly Snuka in a cage against Don Morocco. It was actually Jimmy Superfly Snuka in a cage against Bob Backlund. Uh, and I remember it like it was yesterday. And this is one of the images of is that Jimmy Snook on top of that cage. And he did the Superfly leap and missed Bob Backlund. Bob Backlund rolled out of the way and then rolled out of the cage. But I just remember I only knew wrestling on Saturdays on TBS. I didn't think there was a world of wrestling outside of that. And then it was a Monday night. It was in June. And I remember just flipping around the channels and falling into WWF wrestling uh, live from Madison Square Garden on a Monday night. And just the image of Jimmy Snuka on top of that cage, the long hair, the sweat, the blood on his face. It didn't really matter what happened after that. Just seeing a man on top of a 15-foot high steel cage, as Grill Monsoon was describing it, and jumping off of that cage... I can I can tell you, even though I really enjoyed wrestling and I liked wrestling, it was that moment that I fell in love with pro wrestling. Nice. I wonder if Tommy's answer is going to be quite similar. <laughs> well, when Dave talks about Bob Backlund, Bob Backlund was the first uh, wrestler I ever saw. Um, kind of weird that we're going over this conversation because this is around this time period. The Rangers versus the Montreal Canadiens game was snowed out, and instead they showed wrestling from Madison Square Garden. The first person I ever saw was actually Vince, and then here come Bulldog Bob Brower, and then here came Bob Backlund, and, like, going crazy. I remember I had, uh, I had light blue footsie pajamas on. <laughs> And I was like running around and those it would make noises when you would walk on like the the wooden floor. And it was like I was burning a hole in the floor because I never had seen this thing before. It was the greatest thing I've ever seen before in my life. So now my father explains it to me, all this stuff for my 10th birthday, which is February 13th. He takes me to the White Plains County Center. I'm the biggest Bob Backlund mark. And he takes me to see an amazing night of professional wrestling. I wrote a sign for Bob Backlund, Bob Backlund number one on loose leaf paper, <laughs> see Bob Backlund win. And then Bob Backlund uh, slaps my hand. I, I have that magical power. I've never washing this hand again. Wait to the back. Here comes Arnold Skoll. And I'm, I just want him to sign my sign. I asked him to, and he says, sure, kid, I'll get you. Uh, wait in the back. So I do it. Then Arnold Skoll comes, signs my program. I'm waiting. Here comes Bob Backlund. Bob Backlund snubs me. Um, the moment he did that, I hated pro wrestling. It was over. It was done. I would have been third baseman for the New York Yankees. Uh, that's an easy dream to achieve because, uh, back then the Yankees, 78, 79, 77, 78, 79, two-time world champions. I would have achieved that dream done. When I tell you done with professional wrestling over finished, totally gone. No more magazines. Greg no more there would have been, you would have knocked Greg Nettles off the of third base. See you later. And I would still be playing right now. Um, well, when the strike would end, I'd still be, I'd be more like Babe Ruth. Um, so my father, we go on spring break. We had a house down in Hollywood, uh, Florida and in the newspaper, my father just to do something with his son says, Hey, you want to go see wrestling? And I was like, eh, okay, I'll do something with my dad. And he'd take me to the Hollywood sportatorium. So Barry Windham, Jimmy Garvin, uh, Mr. Florida, all, all this great stuff was having a good time, started liking it again. And then here comes Ivan Koloff and Dick Murdoch. 
And I'm just kind of like, seriously, like a, a kid, like just meandering around. And then all of a sudden a spotlight hits. And I remember looking and there's gnats everywhere. And when I tell you, I saw God and that God was Dusty Rhodes, the American dream, Dusty Rhodes and him and Bugsy McGraw, they had weapons in their hand. And it, I watched this God float to the ring and I was frozen. And David, I've never been frozen before in my life. And uh, when I tell you like frozen, I've seen a lot of like horrible things, but never froze. I watched my dad pass away. Didn't freeze. Uh, I've been in a lot of insane situations, but never froze, but I froze. And I watched this man perform. And the moment the match ended, I remember jumping up and down. And when I'm jumping up and down, it, it was like euphoric. I literally turn. I buy my first ever eight by 10 which is a bloody picture of Dusty Rhodes holding a cowbell. And I buy my first ever wrestling t-shirt, Barry Windham, the kid is hot tonight. Um, get into the car. I tell my dad, this is what I have to do. And then he fueled me with wrestling magazines and like my journey and my path began and I've been obsessed. I still love it. I watch usually one wrestling match a day. And when they're like Bubba joked about, when there's times you don't like the wrestling business, I make sure I go back and remind myself what I fell in love with. And I'll give you two quick moments that I just did. I talked about with Ryan when me and Ryan hosted out. We wrestled in Pembroke Pines, Florida, which is right next door. This is a couple of weeks ago for Impact Wrestling, which is real close to Hollywood, uh, the old Hollywood Sportatorium. I looked up the address. And I just drove to that area and I started to cry because that's where I knew my life goal started. My dad was around and we'll never forget our first love, but I'm still in love with it. And I'm getting emotional because it's how much we do love it. And then I got in my car and I cleared uh, my eyes like I'm doing now. And it reminded me of like my life journey. And then even last night, Last night I had a 40 minute conversation with Terry Funk and man, like, you know, people, I talk to him all the time. Well, I should say at least like two weeks and I'm reminding him of some of the things that he did and some of the things that he helped me with. And like, like Mark said, like being a, tr a mentor and a teacher and it's, uh, it's just amazing. Like how he, he thinks about the business but he always ingrained something in my head. He said, every day of wrestling is a good day. And that like has stood by me. And then like, I'm, t I told him something about, I watched him and Dory versus um, Bruiser Brody and Stan Hansen. And I said, man, they were, you were loved there. And I go, but you think about the business. And he goes, can I tell you that every American wrestler that went there was hated. And then the, the first people to get over, as baby faces there were me and my brother. And I was like, wow, like, and like the world war, there was just hatred from Americans back then. And I go, could, do you imagine what you actually accomplished in wrestling? And he just like sat there. He goes, when I think about it all, he goes, I can't believe that happened. But he goes for just two kids from Texas to changing the views of the world. He goes, wow, I did something. And then just like that, I said, wow, I've done something too. 
And just like Mark and just like Bully, we've all done something that we've loved and been in love with forever. So there's my story. Wow. Strong. That's heavy, man. I cried yeah. this week, you assholes. <laughs> well, you know, I'll be crying uh, Valentine's Let's make, Day. We're going to make Bully cry. I can tell you <laughs> yeah. how to do it. You I know can what? tell you how to do it. I noticed, I know how to do it. How? Get Never. some really fresh donuts. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. With the strawberry jelly inside. <laughs> no, Edmund's chocolate. And then just donuts. throw them motherfuckers on the floor and just stomp the shit out of them. And he'll cry. Yeah, I'll cry like a baby. You know, when Tommy started to get choked up, I actually started to think to myself, like, is there anything about this business that would make me cry? And I am so passionate about wrestling that there are things that would, but it would take somebody to trigger me to cry, a memory that would make me cry, me telling a story that would make me cry because I have been very hardened by the brutal truths and the brutal honesty of the business that we're in. This is This has nothing to do with it. And when you become hardened to it, you're not as emotional as the both of you are. But I think, in like, I do remember getting a little choked up at the Hall of Fame. I got choked up by the Hall of Fame when I pulled out my parents' mass cards because it would have been so cool for my parents to be able to be there, especially my dad. So to me, my parents were there with me by having the mass cards. So it's not like I'm impervious to crying about my love or passion for wrestling. It's just that so many things come with this business that are very, very dirty. And you guys know what I'm talking about. Sometimes it hardens you and it hardens you to the part point where you almost feel emotionless, but I know I'm not like that. And maybe one day you guys will trigger a memory or a story in me where I'll start to cry like a baby. And boy, that'll make some dirt sheet headlines. But 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 bully, I think I think when when we're talking about like at least for me, and I am the way Tommy was describing the moment when he first saw pro wrestling, and he was having his you know uh, blue pajamas on, and the way it felt, and the sound that the, you know his feet were making on the, on the wood floors. I think it just brings you back to a time. Like when I think about those early matches, like, you know, for me, it, you know, it brings me back to my dad taking me. My, my dad did not like wrestling at all, but he only took me because I loved it. So I knew that I, even at the time I knew, wow, this is great that my dad's taking me uh, to see it. Cause I know he's not a fan, but he's doing it for me. And he would do it every single month. He would take me to the Meadowlands to go see wrestling. And then once in a while, I, re- I remember the, the first time seeing Hulk Hogan and he had in a match with Dr. D David Schultz. I remember my dad springing to his feet when Hogan came out and I was like, ah, you know, there, there, like, <laughs> or, you know, or, or taking my daughter, you know, to see wrestling, you know, and at first it was, she was probably just doing it to make me happy, but see her develop a love for pro wrestling. Like you mentioned your dad and like, you just talked about the whole thing. You like, you wish your like your mom and dad were with you, but, but he said, especially my dad. So obviously there's a relationship between wrestling and your father and you that came to mind when you were even saying that. And Mark talking about his grandmother and the relationship that he had with his grandmother and, you know, her saying when it was the show was over, like, 
like you know Mark saying I want I want to see this again. When's the next time it's on? Well, don't worry, honey. Like just come here next Saturday and it will be on. Like I think it's almost like a comforting feeling when yeah. you talk about those moments. Uh, you know, especially early on when you fell in love with pro wrestling. And, There's and a babe, moment and bullied. a person attached. You know. I told you I got bullied, man. Like people picked on me for being chunky and all of that kind of stuff. And wrestling was a release for that, you know, and, and I, I copied what I saw. The first fight I ever got in, um, in the seventh grade, uh, I headlocked, took a kid over. That was the first, my first fight memory is me reaching to grab this kid and him double-legging me and me grabbing his head and just turning him because I saw wrestling. Nobody never taught me how to do a headlock takeover. I saw it a thousand times and I fucking did it. And while all my weight, my elbow was on the ground and all my weight was pressing against this kid's face and he was, stop it, let me go. Stop it, let me go. I just smiled so damn big. I was like, yeah, I, I did this. And, and it was a good moment for me. Wrestling had a lot of influence. You got to, you think about every moment, like Tommy just sparked that in me, the moments that him driving to a place, man, I, I, I've driven to places where I remember wrestling used to be, and they're not there no more. It's malls, apartment buildings, all kind of stuff now, like the time has changed. And it, it, it does something to you. You go, oh, damn. Man, this is where the sportatorium used to be. Yeah. Like, that, that stuff is painful. So Tommy just triggered a memory for you. You're telling your story about being in elementary school and how you're getting bullied and picked on, and you used the wrestling move. And the exact same thing happened to me. And you just triggered this memory that I haven't thought of in, in forever third grade basketball court getting picked on by a bunch of the other kids because I wasn't good at basketball. And maybe I was slow on the court because I was chunky too. And I remember all the kids poking and prodding at me and yelling at me and making fun of me. And then this one kid, Larry Danziger oh. got in my face and I body slammed Larry Danziger on the concrete so hard that I'm the one that got suspended from school, even though I was getting ganged up on and bullied and just defending myself. I didn't know what a body slam, how to do a body slam in third grade, but I knew in third grade, I had watched enough guys body slam each other that I was sure as shit going to body slam this kid. He and it's it. the exact same story of, of, of bullying. And, and actually that's why the bully gimmick has always worked so well uh, over a hundred years of pro wrestling because it's foolproof. Well, um, since we're Larry's talking real quick, I know we got time. I, I don't care if you keep the story or not. Uh, pull my head. I'm getting bullied. I'm chunky. We got, we got three chunksters here. <laughs> uh, kid pushes me. I don't want to fight. Please stop. He pushes me again. He grabs me in a headlock. I pop my head out. I headbutt him as hard as I can because of the Samoans while grabbing his tie because I went to a Catholic school and headbutt him in the side of the head and the ear, and then push him down where he takes a bump, cut a promo over him, and then run away. And then I went and cried <laughs> to the bathroom. 
but <laughs> that was pro wrestling 101. Uh, the promo is what just popped me. Leave me and alone. I, got... I swear I'll kick your ass every day. And then I <laughs> well, ran away. <laughs> uh, go to that busted open radio. I'd love to hear from the nation what moment that was for them that they fell in love again. Love that first fight. Guys, thank you so much. Bully, Tommy, Mark. Don't forget, you can listen to Busted Open Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to noon on Sirius XM Fight Nation. And you can only get the master's class right here on the Busted Open Podcast. Make sure you subscribe and comment. Thank you, guys. And we'll talk to you later right here on Busted Open. Busted Open is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. The producer is Gabby Laspisa. The associate producer is Andre Viola. Sound design by Neri Bailon. Special thanks to SiriusXM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, the legendary Steve Cohen and SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Mother Marissa, Marissa Rivas. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.